Welcome to All The Things, a podcast for moms seeking an inspired life. Hi, I'm your host, Lisa Chin. I am a writer and a coach, and my most passionate truth is that the world needs the real you. That's why I created this podcast, to discover all the things that make us who we are, because the better we understand ourselves, the more good we can do in the world. So let's do that together. Thanks for joining me today. I am so excited to have my friend and accountability partner, Taima Ramsey, on the podcast. I wanted to first take a second to acknowledge that I am speaking from the unceded and traditional land of the Nipmuc and Massachusetts tribes. And Taima and I are going to talk about some really cool, fun, lofty ideas. And I really wanted to ground this conversation and just know that we're always operating in these systems of social and cultural injustices and inequities. Now, Taima, I am so excited to have you here to share to the audience a little bit about yourself. You are an attorney by day and travel enthusiast on the weekends and in the evenings. You're a native New Yorker, born and raised in Brooklyn, and now live in Manhattan. And you started a site called Poor in a Private Plane as a way to empower women to live their best life on any budget. And her mission is to show women how they can afford to do all the things they love within their means. Hi, Taima. Hi, Lisa. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. So season one. I want to first actually acknowledge that you're kind of like my midwife doula in this podcasting process. And without (laughs) you, this podcast would not exist. So I first want to just acknowledge that and thank you for everything you've done for me. (laughs) You're very welcome. You did all the work. Let's remember that. (laughs) Um, Now, season one is all about the people that I know. Can you share with the audience kind of your version of how we know each other? Yes, absolutely. So it's been over a year now since we kind of met. Um, we met through a marketing seminar that we both joined, and then subsequently that turned into a accountability group or a mastermind that we were in with a few other individuals. And it's one of those things, one thing led to another, and now we've been chatting almost every week for almost a year, I want to say. And it's been amazing just getting to know you and our conversations and how much we've grown in the last year. So that's, that's my version of the story. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. My version of the story is that I introduced you to human design, and then you couldn't get out of your head. And then we had to talk about it. (laughs) That's very accurate as well. That's definitely (laughs) accurate. Now, I'm really excited about this podcast because you are probably the only person I know who's like, quote unquote, an influencer. And I feel like if anyone had asked me a year ago, like, you think you'll have any like influencer friends? I'd be like, oh, no, like, I don't know. Influencer has such a weird, it's like a weird word, right? In our culture. Like, what does that word mean to you? Because I think you do identify as an influencer. Yes. So I think that in today, in today, in today's culture, influencer has um, become almost a negative word 
for some reason. And I think it's just, you know, based on stereotypes and um, certain ideas that people have around um, individuals that identify as influencers. But I think when you break down the word influencer, um, you have to step back and think it's somebody that has influence over a group of people, right? So um, I think that we are all influencers um, in the sense of the word because we influence the people around us, our family, our kids, our friends. Um, but as a quote unquote influencer on Instagram, I'm doing the same thing, but on a larger scale. So I'm influencing women um, and a small amount of men um, that are interested in what I'm talking about, which is travel and money tips and money mindset. Um, there's a whole list of things. But um, to me, it's just somebody that has a platform where they influence other people's decisions, other people's ideas. Um, it's just going back to that word influence. Did you seek out to be an influencer? Did it just kind of happen? What's the story behind that? Oh, it was never something that I planned. Um, I always was interested in blogging. I started out as a fashion blogger back before Instagram even existed. Um, and I just love sharing stories and my outfits and that kind of stuff. And then I came on Instagram and it honestly all happened by accident. I was just posting photos of my travels and one day it stuck and I realized that, you know, things just started to, to kind of, um, move at a very, very fast pace. And I realized that people were interested in understanding and learning, about how I was traveling, how I could afford it, where I was going, um, tips on where I've been. And I just took it and ran with it. And that's kind of how Poor in a Private Plane was born out of people asking me, how do you afford to go there? Or, you know, do you have any good tips for inexpensive restaurants or hotels at this location? Or, um, you know, like, how did you save for that? So um, it was born out of people asking me these questions and then Instagram just kind of happened one day um, <laughs> and I ran with it. It's really cool. I kind of have like a love-hate relationship with social media. Um, I think a lot of people do. It's I seen almost as if, right? <laughs> like a necessary evil in, in today's culture. Um, do you think that it's possible for people to be real on social media and to create real connections? And maybe those are two different things. Um, I think it's possible, yes and yes. I think um, it is very difficult to do. And the reason why is because social media is filled with these aspirational lifestyles and it is very hard for people to see past you know, the pretty pictures and the pretty dresses and the pretty homes and the, you know, perfect kids and all of that. Um, and I think it takes a lot for somebody to take a step back and realize that, um, not to sound cliche, but it is a highlight reel. Like we're only posting the photos that we believe people want to see. We're not posting, you know, the messy kitchens and the dirty laundry and, you know, the if only you guys could see me now, the crazy hair. Um, <laughs> we're not posting those real life moments that we all experience. So it's very easy for people to see the photos on Instagram as they're scrolling and feel like this person's life is, you know, picture perfect when 
in reality, they're just curating it. So um, I think that when we kind of take off that layer and start having conversations, we start to realize that, wow, these people are real people. They have the same issues that we have. They have the same chores and same, um, same obligations. And I think that um, Instagram is trying to bring that out with stories and, you know, encouraging people to DM each other and that kind of stuff. I think they're trying to do that or trying to encourage their um, users to actually be social because it's social media, right? <laughs> um, and I think there is where you start to develop relationships. I mean, I've met so many amazing people, including you online. Um, and the same goes for Instagram. I've met so many amazing women on Instagram and it all happens in the DMs. It all happens in stories. Those are where the real conversations are, are happening. So I definitely think it is possible. Um, and I think that um, Instagram has been promoting recently, um, encouraging both influencers and users to kind of take away the filter, if you will, and show their audience what they're um, behind the scenes um, you know, really show these uncurated photos where it's like, you're not wearing makeup. You don't have a fancy filter on, you know, it's just you and your life. So I definitely see that happening more and more now. Hmm. I'd be curious to see if those unfiltered photos, and I mean, there's like literally a hashtag for unfiltered, right? But usually the unfiltered mm -hmm. photos just don't need filtering. <laughs> They're so nice. <laughs> not because yeah. it's like real. <laughs> um, the, so, I mean, so the, the doom is in the scrolling, right? And the real connection is in the DMs. So, I mean, that's, I think, okay. And you're, I mean, you work a lot around mindset. And I know that it's really more focused on money, but I think that money kind of touches on a little bit of everything, right? Mm -hmm. The, what is the mindset? Like, what do you think is a healthy mindset for someone who, like, I think about, there's a huge, like, I feel like, um, social media is like, has like moms have a big target on their back with social media mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of catering or marketing to like the lack, the blame and the shame of moms. What is the mindset that someone eat moms or otherwise should, could have when they're going through Instagram or Facebook or whatever, um, platform they're on to, avoid that trap of like the oh like they have everything and like really separating themselves from that person and thinking that they're lesser or or not as good or, or whatever like you know less than that person yeah so I mean there's there's a lot of different layers that we could peel back in that in, in that area but I think it first starts with um really being self-aware and trying to identify what those triggers are and removing them. I, I honestly feel like if you are scrolling through your feed and it makes you feel bad, then you probably want to work on curating your feed to people that are going to empower you, that you're going to be excited to see what they're doing. Um, and there are a lot of women on Instagram that um, really do a good job of showing that curated lifestyle but at the same time, like letting you peek behind the curtain to see that, you know, like they have the same exact um, issues or I don't want to say issues, but they have the same exact things happening in their day to day that we all have. And it's finding those people that inspire you, but also are relatable. 
And if you are scrolling and you're just seeing these these pretty pictures and they're just triggering you, then you might want to consider, I, I would always recommend to just either mute the person if you don't want to unfollow them or unfollowing. Um, it's no hard feelings. It's just more you focusing on what makes you feel good because it's supposed to be fun. The idea of Instagram is supposed to be fun. You're supposed to be inspired, laugh, maybe learn. Um, it's not supposed to make you feel bad. So I think it starts with finding people that make you excited, right? It's not just their pictures that excite you, but you know, just really learning about them, hearing their personality, hearing their voice, reading their captions, listening to their stories. That's when you're really going to meet that real, get to know that real person. And I think that would make a lot of people feel better about that scroll. Um, I definitely do it if I'm coming across somebody that triggers me for whatever reason, um, you know, especially in the last year with everybody traveling and I'm sitting at home, <laughs> you know, I love to travel. Um, you know, there came a point where for some people I did have to mute them because it was just healthier that way because I found myself, you know, feeling that jealousy and that, you know, kind of like that, that frustration and that bitterness and it's okay to take a step away just for your mindset and your mental health. That is such a good tip because when we're on a platform, we think that all this this content is just happening to us. But in reality, we're the ones who have liked a page or created connection so that their information is showing up in front of us. And so it is a, it is a matter of finding the things that inspire you and that kind of keep you grounded and to, to recognize if like the sensation in your body to be like, oh, that makes me feel like gross or weird or uncomfortable or bitter or frustrated and then saying hey maybe I need to take a break and I mean mm -hmm. these uh these like virtual boundaries if you will right and setting yes. those up yes exactly I mean those boundaries are very important and I think it's important for us to acknowledge and recognize when we have those feelings like there's nothing wrong with you if you feel jealousy or you feel you know, that, that bitterness when you're scrolling, um, it's natural for people to feel that way. It's a matter of how you act upon it. That's where you start to, we start to get ourselves into trouble um, when we start reacting um, in a certain way. So if you feel that, um, you know, it shouldn't be something that you kind of push away or, 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 you know, say like, oh, I'm a bad person. It's more of, why do I feel this way? What is it that is triggering me about this photo or this caption or whatever it is that this person said that is making me feel like this? And acknowledge that and then make a decision as to whether or not you want to continue viewing, consuming that content, or if you want, like I said, to mute it um, or unfollow. And muting is a great way to kind of give yourself a break because if you love somebody's content, but you're just having a day or a week or a month, it's okay. You can mute them. You don't have to see it. You could work on yourself and then come back to it later. Your work on Instagram is around money, which is a loaded topic, which yes. also is really interesting on social media when everything's like really aspirational and seemingly like I think of it as like fake a lot of the times. So maybe that's just my perspective, but it's it pushes so much on the, the idea of lack, right? And, the, uh, mm -hmm. and the, that component of us so that we like because 
we like the image because we're like, oh, we want that and we're never going to have it. So at least we can like the person having it, even though we don't really like the person having it. <laughs> <laughs> how, do you, how do you bring real conversations about money online? Like you and I have had conversations about how like social media can make you poor because you're chasing mm-hmm. all these ideas of what's out there. Like how do you keep it real on Instagram when you're talking about something that's so heated and charged as money? I think it's about, I think it's important to be very transparent. And I think that that's something that we do not see a lot. And these are conversations that I've had with you and others. And, and, you know, um, there definitely isn't a lot of transparency on Instagram and social media. So to your point, it's like, you see everybody on these vacations and owning these beautiful houses and you know, having the, the these amazing uh, clothes, designer clothes, and it's, you have no idea whether they're $150,000 in debt, or whether they, um, you know, what they, what their day jobs are, or, you know, maybe whether they are wealthy or not. And we won't talk about our definition of wealthy, but <laughs> um, we don't know anything about where um, and how these people came to that point. And it's easy for us to make assumptions to say like, oh, well, she must be rich because she has, you know, a nice house or she must be rich because she wears designer um, clothes or she has a nice car or, you know, whatever it, um, whatever it is that triggers that idea. And I think that having the conversations about where those things come from and how, you know, you got there and what things cost, um, makes it a little bit more real and attainable. Um, so for example, if I, um, I use the example of going on um, a weekend getaway, right? And maybe I'm staying at a really nice resort and you know people are looking at it like, yeah, I could never afford $500 a night at you know blah, blah, blah resort. And my goal is to say, yeah, this resort costs $500, but um, if you, uh, if you use this website, you could get it for a hundred dollars a night, which is a lot more affordable, maybe at least for, you know, um, uh, more, you know, affordable for that person. So having that transparency and it being more about like, okay, this is how much it costs. This is how we got here. This is what we did to save up for it. This is how you could do it too. I think will help, um, to, to kind of, you know, I keep on saying like pull away the curtain, if you will, but it does help people to see like, oh, wow, I actually could do that as well. Like I can't afford the 500, but the 100 sounds like I could do it. Um, Same thing with like designer clothes or bags. Like if you're one of those people that you're like, oh, I've always wanted, you know, to wear whatever dress or whatever, having those conversations about, yeah, we're not paying full price for that dress. We're finding it at a thrift store or we're going to a consignment or, you know, we're finding it on sale or whatever it is. So I think that if more people were having those conversations about how they're getting there, um, that would make it a bit more um, relatable and attainable for most people. Because I feel the same way when I see somebody driving, you know, a fancy car, or have these beautiful houses. I'm like, how the heck can they afford that? <laughs> like, what did I do wrong? But it's definitely not that. There's a lot more to it. It's interesting because we don't expect that kind of transparency in person, right? So when you're talking about this online, 
do you think that it's necessary because because we're not face to face with this person and seeing like kind of what's outside the frame of the picture or do you think that this should also happen in person as well so that's a great question um and this is something that i've been playing around with in real life so I definitely feel that we um, live in a time where keeping up is a thing, right? We're trying to keep up with what's going on on the reality shows. We're trying to keep up with what's happening on social media. And we're trying to keep up with what our friends are doing. And I see it every day living in New York City where it's like everybody wants to go out and they want to do brunch and they want to do all these things. And it's like, yeah, I want to do that too, but let's be realistic. Um, I can't afford to do that every single day, the way, you know, you see on television, for example. And I think that there's almost a shame um, with, um, we'll just say, um, I'll say millennials, because millennials is my target audience. But there is this shame that um, people have with saying, I cannot afford that, or I cannot do that, or I don't have the money for that. And um, while I don't encourage somebody to use those types of phrases when they're talking about their money mindset, um, I do encourage people to be transparent and kind of set those boundaries and say, hey, I, um, I'm not in a position to go to brunch this weekend, but what if we did something else instead? And, you know, um, I started doing that with my friends that, you know, want to go out to fancy restaurants and yeah, we do it once in a while, but um, I have been trying to encourage my friends to be, um, to say like, hey, I can't afford to go to that rooftop tonight, but why don't we do this and then I'll save up so we could go next week or something along those lines. Um, and it's been hard. I mean, people are very resistant because nobody wants to say that they don't have money. <laughs> God forbid. Mm. Um, but I've noticed that by setting the example, I'm starting to hear my friends feel a little bit more open to doing the same, if that makes sense. So if I say like, I can't afford to do that this week, but let's try for next month. I, I actually had that happen this past week where somebody said like, hey, why don't we push this to next month so that way I could save a little bit of money so that way we could actually have a good time. And it got me so excited because I'm like, oh my God, you're recognizing that you have boundaries and you're recognizing that they're temporary. That's the other thing as well when it comes to not being able to afford something. It's like, yeah, I want to go out to that nice steak dinner, but maybe I just have to wait a week and save up for it. It doesn't mean I'm never going to have it. It doesn't mean I'm never going to be able to afford it. I'm just, I just can't do it right now today. Um, but with planning, I will be able to. Um, so I definitely think that these conversations need to happen in real life and they need to be organic. It can't be something that you just say just because, you know, oh, well, if I say it, then it means something. It has to be organic. It has to be a conversation that you're having with somebody and you're thinking to yourself like yeah I can't do that but and let me just you know say like not right now maybe later so cool you're like <laughs> influencing your friends right that's all I could think of when you were just sharing that story <laughs> the we, we've talked about boundaries a bit and I'm still kind of like I feel like boundaries are such an amorphous thing but when you talk about money and boundaries, it's really fascinating because I grew up in a low-income household where boundaries were kind of set for me. 
And then as adults, you know, we have the, we have the opportunity to make money. And, and if we make more money than we had growing up, we no longer have those boundaries built in for us. And, and sometimes we don't even because we can go into credit card debt and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I had never thought about it as boundaries that, and to be able to set your own parameters for your own spending in that, in that capacity. Can you speak more about like how we can go about setting appropriate boundaries? And you kind of have this like really nice balance of indulge, but save, which is your poor in a private plane kind of mindset, which I love. Can you share a little bit more about that? So when it comes to boundaries and money, I think that there's two types. There's going to be the temporary boundaries that I mentioned. And then there's going to be um, more of your permanent boundaries where you know that um, those are those are probably going to be there for a very long time. And it sounds negative, like nobody wants to have boundaries <laughs> when it comes to their spending and their money. But those permanent boundaries are going to go back to your spending habits. So for example, um, I encourage people to focus their spending on the things that bring them joy and really do exercises where they look at their spending and they try to identify like, all right, if getting a cup of coffee every morning makes you really happy, then that's something that you want to include in your budget, for example. Um, If buying magazines that you're never going to read doesn't make you happy, but you feel like you have to do it, those are things that you're going to want to set boundaries around and say to yourself, like, do I really need to spend money on that? Like, is it, is it really bringing me joy? What, what's going on there? And if it's not, that's got to go. And once that goes, that frees up money to put towards the things that you do truly love, which is a cup of coffee every morning, for example. So my idea is um, you want to set boundaries between the things that really, really, truly excite you and make you happy and you cannot live without um, versus the things that are nice to have, but eh, it's all right. It's, it's not a big deal to me, right? Like there's a lot of things that are nice to have and we should have them if we want them, but um, it's making those decisions between like, do I go for the thing that's nice to have or do I go for the thing that I really, really, really want and really is going to make me happy? Um, and that's where I'm very big on setting boundaries. Like I love coffee, but I do not need to go to a coffee house to enjoy a good cup of coffee, right? I am perfectly happy having my coffee at home. So I've created that boundary where it's like, instead of spending the money at the coffee house, I make my own coffee because it's not as important to me to be at the coffee house versus other aspects of my life. For example, I mean, I can't, I can't um, deny it. I love wine and I love to have my wine at home, but I especially love to go to a vineyard or whatever. So I make sure that I'm prioritizing my budget so I could afford to go out to a vineyard and enjoy a glass of wine because that really excites me and it really makes me happy to be in that environment. That's where I set my boundaries. I, I have my two buckets of my nice to have and really, really want, can't live without and I allocate my spending based off of that. Um, and then when it comes to the temporary boundaries, um, you know, we could use vacations as, as one of those things. Like we all wanna go on vacation. We all wanna go you know, to the mountains or to the beach or whatever it is. And 
sometimes we have to create temporary boundaries in order to save up to pay for that vacation or whatever it is. Um, for everybody, it could be something different. It could be saving up for a home. It could be saving up for a car. It could be um, saving up for a course you want to take. You create temporary boundaries where you say, I'm going to limit my spending here so that way I could put toward money towards this goal that I have. And then once you hit that goal, that temporary boundary is gone. And now you could spend on whatever it is that you were working towards. Um, and it doesn't have to be anything big. We mentioned, you know, maybe it could be like a night out with the girls and you just want to save a certain amount of money so that we could have a few drinks at happy hour or, you know, go have, you know, coffee with your friends, whatever it is. You set those temporary boundaries and then um, you save up for it and then you get to indulge and enjoy whatever it was that you were saving up for. So what I'm hearing is it's really just being mindful, right? And examining yes. kind of the why behind your decisions. Exactly, and exactly. I, I do feel like so much spending is like almost like, you know, you talk about like the automated charges that happen like every month, you know, like the Amazon deliveries are like, I forgot to cancel that. And yes, and, <laughs> <laughs> guilty. <laughs> um, and you're, and, and it's really taking that time and, and to be aware of, the reason behind it, because then once we kind of get down to that, we can really evaluate that towards, you know, in contrast to our goals and also our values, I think is how it sounds. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And we're so, we are, we are accustomed to consuming. That's all, you know, that's something that is encouraged. And I think that sometimes we forget why we're consuming something and what it's bringing to us. So for example, like, Think about like all the streaming options that you have. We have Netflix, we have Disney Plus, we have, um, I don't know, there's like so many and we have a tendency to want to subscribe to all of them, but then we'll watch, you know, Wheel of Fortune every day, which you don't really need a streaming service for. So, um, you know, it's really being self-aware and paying attention to what it is that you truly enjoy and spend time with and, you know, look forward to. Um, a lot of times it's not that stack of, of magazines that you haven't read in the last 12 months that just keep on growing. Um, a lot of times it's not that Hulu plus uh, membership that you don't even know the password to anymore because you haven't logged in since you signed up. Um, there are so many little things in our lives that we don't realize, you know, like in the moment it sounded like a good idea, but then, you know, a month later, we don't realize that, yeah, that's not that important. And I encourage people to even take a day and just like jot down all the things you're spending on in that day. And it's not for you to feel bad, but it's just more for you to kind of look and see like, oh, why did I spend money on that pack of gum when I never chew gum? Or, you know, like, why did I, it just makes you think a little bit and not in a bad way. It's just, I kind of laugh at myself when I do it, to be honest, because I'm like, why did I do that? It's kind of silly, but it's, it's, a, it's a good, it's a good little exercise to do once in a while. Yeah, I think it's this idea of like, we're not coming from a place of shame, right? It's like just more curiosity. Like, mm -hmm. why, exactly. why did I do that? I mean, that's kind of weird, or that's kind of funny, or that's kind of random. Yeah. yeah, it definitely isn't supposed to be um, a situation where you're penalizing yourself, or you're, you're kind of, you know, um, you're kind of uh, feeling bad about it. Um, that's never the, the goal when we're doing these things. It's just more like acknowledging it, kind of understanding why 
you made that decision and moving on from it, right? Like there's nothing bad about it. I mean, we're all learning and growing um, through all aspects of our lives. So I, I definitely don't, um, I definitely don't think of, you know, like when I'm tracking my spend, looking at my spending habits or, you know, kind of kicking myself for lack of a better term for spending a little bit too much on something. I definitely don't see it as like a thing or, you know, like, oh, I'm a bad, bad person. Um, I acknowledge it. I kind of think about my feelings and how I, you know, why I, I made the decision and then I move on from it. I mean, it's a learning experience. So it definitely, I, it definitely is from, I like the, the word curiosity standpoint. It's very interesting just to kind of pay attention to your money and spending habits. We're talking about like penalizing, right? And money is supercharged, right? I mean, we, it's kind of the carrot and even a stick, you know, if we don't do well at our jobs, we get less of a bonus. If we um, if, you know, they say, oh, if you don't go to college, you make less money. If, and then when you're younger, you get an allowance. And if you don't do like, I don't know, I've never got an allowance. So, um, but, <laughs> but I mean, there, but it's like money is supercharged because it's in a lot of different things. I mean, I've been working on money. I don't know for how long it's kind of, to me, my final frontier because it is interwoven into so many aspects of our lives how does someone break out of that? Because there is, there is a lot of like, I, I do feel like there's a lot of shame around it. Like, you know, you were talking about that transparency in before. And like, uh, I used to, and I, I've been working on a little bit, and I don't know the, the, the real true reason for it, but uh, maybe I do. Um, but like, I remember like a friend asked, like, she commented on my shoes one day, like I had a pair of flats. And she's like, Oh, I love your flats. I was like, Oh, I got them at Old Navy. In almost like a self deprecating way. Or, or sometimes I'll take so much pride in like the deals that I get, but then I'm like, why do, why do I automatically go there? You know, like, why is that such a automatic response for me when I could just say, thank you? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm guilty of the same way. I'm like, oh yeah, I got it for a dollar. Isn't it cute? (laughs) Um, um, and I think that there's two, I think you touched on two, two things there. Um, the first is that, yeah, we are proud and excited when we could share a deal that we got. Like, it makes us feel like we won. It's like, yes, we won. Um, but at the same time, there is that kind of self-deprecating idea behind, like, I don't want people to think anything different of me. Like, I don't want, you know, like, if I have something fancy or if I, you know, have something designer or whatever it is, um, people are going to think and feel a certain way about me. I do acknowledge that, you know, those feelings are, are legitimate. I think that um, we have to stop placing our value on a number in a bank account. Um, we tend to look at our bank accounts or we tend to look at our salaries or we tend to look at, you know, how much we're spending on things. And feel that that is equal to the value that we have as a human being. And um, that's something that we have to stop stepping away from. And it happens in two ways. It happens by looking at yourself and saying like, you know, I, and I think we talked about this before, but it's like, you know, if I'm wearing a, you know, a $2 t-shirt from Old Navy, I feel a certain way about myself, right? I look in the mirror and I feel a certain way about myself. 
versus if I'm wearing a, you know, $2,000 Oscar de la Renta dress, which I've never worn an Oscar de la Renta dress, but I could imagine <laughs> I would feel completely different, right? And it's like, what is it? Is it because the dress is Oscar de la Renta and it's $2,000? Or is it because you know, like what is going through our heads when we have those different emotions? Like if O Navy made that same exact dress and you bought it for $5, would you feel the same way? And I think that you start with that and then you start also, and then secondly, you start to be self-aware of how you react to other people, right? So when you see that woman walking down the street in, you know, her sweatpants from O Navy, how do you feel about her? Like, what do you think about her versus, you know, the woman that's walking her dog wearing like head to toe Chanel? Um, how do you feel about her? And really start to be self-aware and then ask yourself why. Like my favorite thing I've been doing the last few weeks is every time I think of something, I say, why? You know, why do I feel a certain way about the Chanel woman? Why do I feel a certain way about the old Navy woman? Why do I think that? Why do I think that, you know, she has, more privileges than I do? Why do I think that, you know, and every, every thought that comes into your head, just ask yourself why. And it almost starts to become silly because you start to realize that you're making stuff up um, and both for yourself as well as for that person. So if I'm standing in the mirror, looking at myself in that dress and I'm like, why do I feel so fancy? Well, because it's Oscar de Lenta, duh. But what does that mean? It's just a label, <laughs> you know, like you start to, really look at yourself and you're like that's really silly why am I thinking that <laughs> and again you laugh it makes like, it's not supposed to make you feel bad it actually becomes almost comical when you start to really break it down um and the second the, the third challenge is having that conversation with a friend right like telling them like you know I was wearing this or I was thinking this or and I just laughed to myself and you'll start to realize that other people feel the same exact way and you will both have that connection where you're, it's like, oh my God, I thought the same thing about the lady walking her dog in Chanel. Like, that doesn't make sense, but why am I thinking this? It's so silly. <laughs> so I definitely think that just having those kind of conversations with yourself as well as with others um, definitely helps a little bit. Yeah, there's so much just to say about what you just said. The examination of self and then trans it transfers to our relationships, right? Like I think that the better that we know ourselves, the better we understand other people, the more compassion we have ourselves, the more compassion we have for other people. I do love that idea of like, just having these real conversations because money, like I said, is like supercharged. And, and what does it mean for you? Because like, why money? Like, why is it such a, like, like you're, you're building a knowledge base, right? And you're, and you're sharing information, like why money? Like you love travel, you love wine, you love, you know, you have a day job that you could also talk about um, and topics, other topics that you know about, but like, why did you choose money to be like the thing that inspires you and that that's the thing that you want to talk about? I think for me, the thing that charges me about money is that we give it a, a power that sometimes it doesn't, deserve and I'm very I, I I'm saying it very slowly because I don't want it to be misinterpreted but what I mean is that um money 
you know, you, you hear people say money buys you freedom. And I agree with that 100% because it gives you the ability to have to make to have choices. If you have a certain amount of money for whatever it is, you have a choice, you have a choice where to live, you have a choice, um, you know, what clothes to buy, you have a choice of what food to, 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 to um, cook or eat or buy or etc. So it gives you freedom. But I think that um, it also limits us. And sometimes it is real limits that we have, you know, obviously, if I only have, you know, $150,000 to spend on a house, I'm not buying that $6 million house on the hill. Um, that's reality. But at the same time, there's also like these created limitations that we have where it's like, you know, I use vacation as an example, because I always, I like to travel. But like, if you do want to go to that, you know, resort, but in your mind, you're like, that's way too expensive. I'm never going to be able to afford that. And it's like done, right? Like you don't even think about it. You don't even try it. You're not interested because you can never afford it. And I think that we have to take a step back and really understand like what is a real limitation versus a created limitation? Like, you know, is it, you can't afford it now, but let me come up with a plan so that way I could afford it later. Or is it, um, you know, one of those things where it's like, it's completely unattainable at this point. And that's the reality. Like, I hate those, I hate thinking of those real limitations, but it's, it's true. I mean, it, it's true. And I think that people give money that power and it's not, it, do, it doesn't deserve that. And I see that a lot in my life where there's people that make double what I make and yet still are unable to afford to do the things that they enjoy for whatever reason. And in my mind, I'm like, is it real or is it created? And that's a supercharged statement in and of itself because having these conversations and telling somebody like, yeah, you're making up that limitation. It's like, what? But um, I say it to myself all the time because I, I, I say to myself like, oh, I could never afford that. And then I sit down and I come up with a plan and I realize, oh wait, I actually can. It's one of those things that I feel like when we really start to break it down and really start to treat money as a tool it changes our relationship with it. And it makes us realize that we are able to do the things that we thought we weren't able to do, for example. And that with planning, we're able to, you know, get whatever it is that we felt was completely out of our reach or completely out of our budget. And I think that's the thing that excites me about it is just like showing people how like, yeah, you actually can't afford that. Like, let's work towards it. Let's figure out a plan. Yeah, it's okay to to go out for coffee if that makes you happy. Let's let's figure out how to work that into the budget. Yeah, it's okay that you know um, you you want to save up for um, a new sofa or whatever it is. Let's plan it. I think that there's so much you could do with it that excites me, and I also like the thrill of the deal, which I know you <laughs> could appreciate. So that's the other aspect of it. <laughs> You said something quite, I, I, I want to say profound, that money is a tool. Mm -hmm. I don't think that I have seen it that way and seen it. I mean, I, you know, I, I've heard it. I've heard the idea of like money is, you know, you can work with money. You can, you know, money is like, it is a story, right? Everything that we're telling ourselves about money is a story. And we can certainly 
shift the story to money is a tool for what I want um, and kind of repositioning it in our narrative as you know, changing the characteristics of it and seeing it as this other entity in our story versus like the thing that we're fighting against, but like it's actually something that can work with us. Exactly. And I think you saying fighting against it, I think that is something that like, I think that always triggers me in the sense that people feel like money is something that you gotta kind of fight and wrangle and kind of like, it's like this conflict, right? And I think when you kind of switch the script and you start to look at it more from an aspect of like, it's not the thing that I'm trying to battle against. It's the thing that I'm using to go into battle with, right? Like it's your mm. tool, right? Like it's, it's, it's your sword, right? So um, I think that when we start to see it in that respect, it starts to open up the doors and windows for us. And we start to realize like, wait a second, it's not about, you know, like me trying to like wrangle that bank account. It's more about, all right, looking at it and saying, all right, I'm going to make you work for me. Let's do this. <laughs> um, I'm going to use you as a tool. Let's do this. And, and kind of going at it from that aspect. I love that visualization, like to, to have it turn from this like monster and this thing that, you know, and you said before, before, like we're so accustomed to spending and to consuming specifically. I think that that word is very important to, to use versus spending because we consume in so many ways and money is seen like hand in hand with consuming and so when we are talking about the idea of like cutting back and and doing less or spend like or or like having less it, it kind of triggers you because you're and then you you associate it with money so I, I i think it's really interesting to kind of disassociate that and to like bring money back onto your side yeah, absolutely. And I think when it comes to spending, um, I've, I've said this a couple of times to a few individuals and they kind of look at me with that look in their eyes. So when it comes to spending, something that I, I like to say is um, when you buy something, are you buying it because it brings you joy or are you buying it because it brings you joy when people compliment you on it? And that's something that we have to think about when we're observing our spending habits and our relationship with money. I'm definitely guilty of having bought something because I'm excited, you know, when somebody tells me like, oh, I love your shoes or I love this or I love that. Um, and I've started to spend more on things that like when I look in the mirror, I'm like, ooh, like I just get that feeling, like I get excited about it. And I know I'm doing it by the look that I get on my husband's face when I walk in with my crazy pairs of shoes that bring me so much joy. And he's like, those are the ugliest things I've ever seen in my life. But, um, you know, those are conversations that we have to have with ourselves is to really think about, you know, like, why are we consuming? Why are we spending? Are we doing it because of an emotion that we get out of that object? Or is the emotion that we get out of people's perception of us now that we own whatever it is that we spent money, that money on? Mm. And, you know, it really, it, I think that these conversations about money are really important to have because women control most of the spending in this country. I mean, 
mothers for households, but women are just, I think, maybe, maybe we are conditioned that way to consume, right? And therefore, mm-hmm. we actually are spending makes up so much of the spending of this, of at, at least in the US. I don't know about other countries and how it breaks down by, at least by women or men. Um, but I think that, that that's a really important conversation to have because we are also, I think, conditioned for a lack mentality for that, that need to have things so that we can be a certain way. And that is just such important work that you're doing to like break down these ideas. So I kind of want to point that out too, because I forgot about that until right now you were talking about like specifically about shoes and things like that. And it's like, I think about, you know, like how many shoes do I have versus how many does my husband have? And (laughs) and why do I need shoes in all these different colors when he can just wear black shoes? Like why can Steve Jobs just wear black and Calvin Klein, right? And like Michael Kors or whoever it is, just wear black all the time and be okay. And let's say, I don't know, I don't know of a female designer that, female identifying designer that has done the same thing or even a tech person mm-hmm. or anyone it'd be like mm-hmm. avant-garde like they'd be like like ostracized from like I mean mm-hmm. I think of even women in the government like in the senate and they have to wear like colorful suits because they have to be, be seen as like less threatening and so like now they have to buy a, a ton of suits because mm-hmm. they have to they have to fit a certain way in the society yeah. And God forbid, if you're in the public eye, you wear an outfit more than once. Right. <laughs> like, uh, you made up okay. that rule. <laughs> Seriously. And then you get called out, like, right, by the, like, the paparazzi, like, yeah. who wore it better? Or, like, oh, they wore yeah. it again. And, like, well, you've never worn an outfit again. Like, you've probably worn your shirt twice in a row, like, <laughs> without washing it. <laughs> it's so what true. And it's like, I've been wearing this for three days. <laughs> Oh, that's good. That could be like a whole nother episode in itself. Cause now I'm all fired up about it. Cause that's, that's the stuff that really gets to me. It's like, you know, I started this podcast with like the land acknowledgement and the idea that, and then the fact that the, the native tribes in where I live around Boston, like they had their land stolen from them and that, and now we're living in these systems. And the thing is like these systems exist in all levels. And mm-hmm. when I'm talking about and when we're talking about money, it's like money is is a man-made thing. <laughs> it's yes. a system and it works in a capitalistic, consumeristic system. And so it's like really important for us to call out that it's like, yeah, we're talking about money and it's like, it's really great to like have the things we want, but it's like also we're in this and it's and it's part of the way that things run. And like, I don't, I don't know if it, like we need to break it all down or anything and conquer it or whatever. It's just like, but we need to recognize that. We need to recognize that like the, the reason that we may feel a certain way is not because like of childhood traumas or because we were taught to do a certain thing, but it's also because like society is telling us like you need to choose mm-hmm. in every color. And so it's like, yeah. how do we separate out the, the whys, like the why of you love your shoes? Like, why do you love your shoes? Because I just love them. That's great. Mm-hmm. If you were like, oh, it's because I saw a bunch of, you know, people in People magazine wearing these shoes and like, I need to have them now. It's like, well, okay, but why? And like, exactly. Make sure. Yes. Yes. I mean, if you keep on, like I said, if you keep on asking those whys, it almost starts to, first of all, you almost start to lose interest <laughs> in whatever it is. You're like, yeah, those those white cowboy boots are not my jam anymore, but they did look cute on her. So, <laughs> um, 
that's a real life story. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think that it's, it's very hard because we are, we're creatures of our environment and it's very hard when you see these things happening around you to step out of the line, if you will. But I think we have to be brave enough to step outside of that line and, and kind of really look into within ourselves and really be brave and, and kind of say like, yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do that. And, um, be confident that nothing bad is going to happen. Right. You know, like, all right. So you have, um, so you're where you wear the same, you know, black slacks to work every day. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, like you, you, you have two pairs of shoes. That's completely fine. We are all different. And I think that we have to acknowledge that. And this is something that I talk about a lot, but we have to acknowledge that what brings me joy is not necessarily going to be what brings Lisa joy and what brings, you know, anybody else joy. And we have to decide what that is. For me, it's shoes. I love shoes. I have a lot of shoes, but um, that's not the same for my friends. They're like, I have five pairs of shoes and that's enough. And we don't judge each other for it. You know, like they have five pairs of shoes, but maybe they have a, an amazing collection of earrings or, you know, scarves or whatever it is that makes them happy. And we celebrate each other for that, as opposed to feeling bad about, you know, like you have this and I don't, we have to just step away from that. We, we have to step out of the line and it takes, it takes a lot of bravery. It takes a lot of confidence and it, it, it definitely is not always easy, but nothing bad is going to happen. Nothing bad is going to happen if you choose to step out of that line. You will be just okay. <laughs> mm. I think that's just, it's such a good thing to remember because it's that that fight or flight, like that reaction that we have that's automatic. And it's like, how do we kind of mm. go beyond that and just be like, okay, I'm safe. I'm okay. I don't, I don't yes. need to buy these shoes to be safe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like we've just yeah. I don't know I think we create things like in our mind it's like I have to have this because if I don't show up in this outfit or whatever somebody's going to say something and chances are nobody is going to say anything I mean it's there might be like that one percent of people that'll be like oh look Lisa's wearing the same outfit again she had that on on Monday who mm -hmm. cares mm -hmm. <laughs> it doesn't <Yeah>. matter <laughs> not your people right exactly like I don't care <laughs> Mm. I'm not paying attention that much to be honest with you I couldn't tell you if you wore the same outfit every day this week <laughs> so true so true yeah yeah I you know I could I mean I literally could talk to you for the whole day and I can't wait till we meet in person so that we could just like have wine or coffee or whatever it is and just chat in person um now I wanted to kind of you've shared so much information which I just love but I wanted to kind of ask you one last question, kind of wrap up the episode. Like, you know, this is first season of this podcast. Like the idea of truths is like really important to me. And like, what is one thing you know to be true? Like that, you know, like deep in your bones. I think for me, and it's taken me a long time to come to this realization, but I think for me is, that I have 100% control. And that's in all aspects of my life. I have 100% control, even when it feels like I don't, I do. 
Um, and that's something that I stand by. That's something that I have been standing by for the last several years. It's something that I am very confident about. And it's something that I will, like, I, I, I will argue to the death if somebody tries to tell me something different. I have control. I have control. I have control of all aspects of my life, even when it feels like I don't. I have control of my reactions. I have control of how I choose to handle situations. I have control over so many different things. And that's something that I, that's my truth. And that's something that I hold on to tight. I love that. My eyes went like bug-eyed when you said that. I'm like, yes! <laughs> That's my truth. That's my truth. Love it. I love it. Thank you so much for being on here. I Thank you just, so much I, for having me. This has been great. This is such a great conversation. Thank you. Yeah. I'm glad I got to ask you all the questions that I, I kind of wish we could spend all our time talking about as well, aside from just like accountability partners, but like just getting to getting deeper. So I love that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And thanks to you for listening. Um, if you are interested in more episodes, take a look at the rest of the season, hit subscribe, share with a friend. If you want to start having real conversations about money with them, um, check out Taima on her blog, poorinaprivateplane.com. And she's also at the Instagram handle with that name. Um, and reach out with her, DM her, have a real conversation with her as well. Um, she is a real person behind all those really fantastic pictures, by the way. Um, <laughs> and I will see you in the next episode. Thank you for tuning in today. A great big thank you to Medfield TV for their support and editing this episode. Living an inspired life is a worthy endeavor. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Be sure to subscribe in your preferred podcast player for future real conversations. And if any part of this episode made you think of a friend, let them know that they aren't alone in their journey and share all the things with them. If you'd like to stay in touch, hop on over to lisaforreal.com and sign up for my daily blogs or find me on Instagram at reclaimingmotherhood. See you next time.